and here we are, uh, careening towards Tisha B'Av. Um, maybe careening isn't the right word. Perhaps the, a better word would be we're sort of like struggling towards it. And uh, still, I think part of what we want to talk about is some positive things. And I think those positive things are, have to do with the yard side of the Ari. Um, I think that's part of what the part of that's what we're, we're dealing with. So, um, I'm, the Arizal, I think, helps us maybe put Tishabov into even a different perspective. So, I want to talk about Tishabov, and I want to talk about the special significance of the Ari. And let me, I have the, and this is, we are doing this Ili Nishmas Yeshaya ben Eliezer Peretz and Siona ben Yukutil. Those are who? Those are your parents. So they should have a lichting on Aiden. They should be, this farm shots with, with, I'm sure that they should be made with Yosha for you and for us and Mitz Hashem. We should, we should be able to, to be hashbo on your family with Simcha and Nachas. And we should, should be Zilcha to, to Trias Hamesim very soon. Um, so, like I said, it's it's there's a, there's a difficulty, of course, and the, there's a difficulty, I believe, in the the difficulty used to be that Claudius Rowe had was believing in a Gula. That was the original difficulty because there have been so many thousands of years of situations that were difficult. Soros, Harigas, Ritzichas, it didn't seem like there was ever going to be an end. And I think many people had a hard time with the Nechama part that comes towards the end of Tisha B'Av. I think now what people have a harder time is is really actually thinking about Chorban. It's not a perfect world. You look around and you see a lot of terrible things happening all the time. But we... The, so many things are comfortable for us. They're so, we don't necessarily, especially you know, in, in the last 30, 40 years, we've had such a, um, a miklot here in, in America and Eretz Yisrael. So I think some of the part of the problem is being margish what it means, a churban. So I want to try to maybe talk about things, teach about it, talk about it together. Um, I want to, we're going to do a little bit of, uh, some things from the Guinness as well. I want to start with the Rambam. And um, from the Rambam, work back a little bit to the Guinness and talk about why it makes the Arizal significant, especially on Tishabov. Okay, so just making sure that this is recording because I'm not sure if we have enough battery power. All right, so this is a very famous Rambam. Yeshom Yomim is written, the, the fifth parak of Ilchas Tainus. Yeshom Yomim Shakol Yisrael Misanin Bahem, and they She'eru Bahem. There are days, the Rambam says, that every all the whole Jewish people fast because tzoros that have occurred on them, difficulties, and Kedei La'oyer HaLavovo Yisulafsayach Darachi Atshuva. So the Rambam, first of all, says that um, the Tainasim in general are not about wallowing in the pain of history. It's not wallowing, but rather using historical situations and recognizing them as a means of It's a very important principle. And again, I'm not trying to... to the words are clear... But basically, yes, had it not been... We, all, we could do tshuva every day. Had it not been for the events, though, that somehow were connected to this day, if it's Tishabov or Shavos and Betamus, had it not been for that, you wouldn't have the same power for you to feel. Right? Even though you can always sense that we don't have the Mesamikdosh, and you can sense other things, you can read up about Sodas of Klal Yisrael, but when it's the actual day that it occurs, there's something about a, a, a yard site of an anniversary 
mystically, which the Rambam didn't subscribe to, but we know mystically there's that sense like of, of, of Geula happening every first night of Pesach. Similarly, when you have a Churban happening, there's something going on that you wouldn't have if it wouldn't be the anniversary. But the Rambam's key, if you can see here, the Rambam says the main thing is Vivtayach Darkei Atshuva. Now, okay, I want to do Tshuva, but where's my Tshuva centered on? Aha. In other words, when I learn history properly or understand the events properly, not necessarily reading all of Josephus or reading uh, as much historical documents as possible, but really cutting to the chase and getting to the incidents and the points that make me understand what that generation was about or what was happening there, it rings a bell within me. Somehow, if I, if I study about the past and I think about the people in that time and I think about what occurred to them and I do it properly, I'll be able to find parallels to ourselves, and, 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 which I wouldn't have otherwise. And when I think about, okay, for example, let's 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 let's, let's get the elephant out of the room. Sinaschinam, right? Sinaschinam, which is the Gemara Yuma says, is the is the, is the, is the big chet of Bayesheni, right? So we think about, okay, we don't have the Torah Bayesheni, we don't have the great Rabbanim, we don't have the the, the Koyach of, of a Hivel and a Shammai, we don't have that, but we can somehow imagine what the Sinaschinam of Bayesheni was. Now the Mitziv, in his introduction to, to Sefer Bereshis and other places in Sefer Tvarim, has a very novel approach to the Sinaschinim of, of Vayishen. He says that, just like the Gemara says, they were very, uh, extremely scholarly, well-rounded, they were medoptic in many, many mitzvahs. But we know there was an outcropping of sectarianism. There was definitely people who rejected normative Torah. Were they holdovers from Bias Rishon, as the conservative movement would like us to believe that that was original Judaism? Were they actually inventive people? But there's no question about it that there definitely was inter. There was a, there was battles, and many times very strong battles over what is the Jewish identity. Even the Nitziv says when we had the upper hand. We over-persecuted anyone that we suspected of harboring the wrong type of hashkafa, the wrong was Yitzhaduki. Uh, as Rabbi Isaac Alevi Rabinovitz, the famous historian, said that this, you know, the, he, he, he says that the Nesiavnit, the ones who were during the time of, of Hanukkah, before Hanukkah, and of course, the ones who wanted to assimilate or absorb or involved in Hellenistic Greek culture, he says that they pretty much changed their tune and decided to be patriotic Jews, but only for Tereshavitzah, about Tereshavitzah. This is the theory of Ritzel Isaac Ali. In other words, it was just another hat that they put on, another type of attitude. It was basically the idea was to, to break the bonds of submission to God the way Rabbanan had been stressing it and but these were options that rang a bell with people. Whether it was, let's be open to the Greek culture, let's be open to uh, Hellenistic philosophical culture, or let's not, let's only, let's not uh, kowtow to all the takonos, the rabbonin that are being propagated, let's only be part of the mikra, only part of what the Torah says, and not, right, none of this extensive pilpalistic interpretations. That was the tzdukim. I mean, they had certain chumras. They didn't cook. They didn't let anything cook on Shabbos and other things like that. But the point is, is that it was definitely a, a, there was a, there was a struggle. So the tzid says that the average normative Jew who tried to do the right thing found himself branding others as, uh oh, are you are you are you part of that group? Are you part of that other group? Or is that a sign? Look at that. What sort of uh, tablecloth are you having, perhaps? Right? What, what is that? Isn't that? Aren't those the type of tablecloths that Sadukim have? I mean, there were those type of suspicions. 
So despite the fact that there was strict adherence, there was also a sense of suspicion. Now, I just told you the way that the Sid explained what was happening in Bayashen. It's his theory. I don't know if it, again, how much it's based on historical documents. It sounds pretty true. And that, for the Rambam, sounds like my Seinuatma, right? You think about that. If that was the Sid there's a lot of that going on here, too. right? There's a lot of stuff of where do you belong, right? This idea of, 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 of you're not me, and I'm not sure right, what, what message are you, are you telegraphing to me. Right? That was the that's our mycin today. So if somebody thinks about, let's say, sinoskinim, and he thinks about sinoskinim causing the korban abeisamitosh, well, on Tisha B'Av, that might be a time to say, well, aren't I doing sort of the same thing? In the same way, not just say, like everybody, but think about what their chet was, understand it, and then say, as the Rambam says, and I think, let's see if we're back over here, that understand it the same way what's happening to us. Ad shegoram lachem v'lanu oisenatzoros, and therefore it happened to them, and it's happening to us. The Rambam is incredibly deep here. The Rambam is saying the reason why we have the tzara of the korban beisamitosh or whatever the tzaras are is because they deserved it, and we continue to have it happen to us. Because if we think about what Sinaschenim did, let's say with Mitzvah's version of Sinaschenim, that that means you're not worthy of having the Rabbani Shalom with you in a close way, that even though you think that you're trying to establish a frumer world by persecuting other people and by suspecting other people, which he says led to actual killings, it actually led to not just destroying their families, but also actual to their deaths, you think that that's what it's about if you realize that that type of hatred, that type of suspicion, leads to the complete dissolution, not only of the Beis Hamikdash, but of our independence as a country, you say, boy, I, I have to stop doing that. that. Then it really drives the message home. It's not just, oh, they were guilty of sinaschinam. As the Rambam says, it's you too. And that's why when we do tshuva, the Rambam says, and of course this is what we say during Rosh Hashanah, on Yom, on Yom Kippur, I'm sorry, during Sari Samei Tshuva, during Slichus, so, which is incredible if you think about it. We do vidui for their averos avonam, and we do vidui for our parents averos. What? What does that mean? We do vidui for our parents averos, right? They're they're gone, and if it means our ancestors, what are we doing vidui for? So the Rambam says we are because we're using our parents, knowing about what happened in the past allows us to see the cause and effect of chet. And therefore, when we do tshuva, we are, we are doing tshuva for their averos. Because it's their averos that we're seeing that we're replicating. So therefore, we're seeing that in light, and so it becomes really fused together. This is generally what every tainus is supposed to be. They, really, of using the events for tshuva. That's really the Rambam's uh, that's his uh, grand statement in the beginning of, of this parak. Then he describes the days. So, and again, um, we just there's a series of H, there's a series of Gedalia, a Davis, and then he paraphrases the Mishnah that Shiva Serbetamus Hamisha Dvarim Irubai. Which is interesting that in the Mishnah even actually give, has to give this list. I mean, Chazal or Goyz are a tainus, but they give us seven. They give us five different aspects of Shavuos or Betamuz. The Shtabru Aluchos. I guess I, I, when I was a sixteen-year-old, when I learned this Mishnah for the first time, something bothered me. But this is the Rabbim's paraphrase of the Mishnah: Butol Atomin Mibayis Rishon. Hufka Yerushalayim b'chor ben Sheni, Sarif apustemus harosha sefer teira, v'himid selim v'heichol. Now, there's a question about that last one when that occurred. Um, it seems like the um, it seems like uh, there are Rishonim that say that that happened in the time of Menashe, in the time of the first base of Mikdash. 
But Apustamus is definitely uh, a name that sounds like it's coming from somewhere in the second base on the Sounds Greek or Roman, Apustamus. Yes, I'll tell you who he was, I'm not exactly sure. There's theories about who he is. But my point, though, is what do we gain by all these five? If you tell me we lost the Beis Amitash, I understand. But we talk about Shavasar Betamuz, we have five things. And somehow it's important, the Rambam says, to think how each one represents a loss for us. So if, what would be another way of saying, let me ask you now, what would be another way of saying the Luchas broke on Shavasar Betamuz? What would be maybe a more stronger way to say of what occurred on Shavasar Betamuz? I'm saying the Luchas broke what would be a stronger statement? It's written on the Luchas Yes, take it one step further. Specifically what? Moshe broke. Moshe broke them. Specifically why? Because he was angry. Because he was angry because something was happening in front of him. Because of sin. Because of right? So that could have, it's interesting that Chazal and the Rambam after Chazal don't say well Chada Ego occurred on Shavos and Metamis, right? they say it's the result it's the fact yes the Chata Ego is definitely it, it, it's there but what we are zeroing in on on the fact is is that like you say we lost something right we lost whatever was special about those first Luchos we don't have that and again the Ari Zal and others and helped us understand what it meant to live in a period when we had the Luchas Arishayimus. Actually, even before the Ari, the Midrashim tell us that before the Luchas were destroyed, Klal Yisrael was still on that incredible high level that they had been at the time of Matan Torah. The Gemara uses the term Paschuzulamasan, right? That the, the, the effect of the Chet of Adam Arishayim had been erased. The Gemara even implies that there wouldn't have been death had Klal Yisrael somehow retained. There was like a, a, a realignment of creation at the time of Matan Torah. So really the Luchos breaking is it's not just, because again obviously the words in the Luchos were there, but there was something the Luchos was an indicator of it, a very high level of spirituality that we had between us and God. And also I, I, would, I would say a level of understanding of Torah that had disappeared. The Luchos Rishonos, when they were given, it was it, it indicated that we were on a level of comprehension similar to, you can imagine, like Adam Rishon before Chet, right? Part of what Chet does, and part of what, uh, if we go back to Adam Rishon Kodam Chet, and we talk about what happens after uh, the Chet of, of, of Adam Rishon, we know that he's got to work, right? He's got to he has to work the uh, he has to be working the field and it's not going to be easy you're going to get a lot of you're going to get a lot of uh, of weeds and thorns and that just means which is a, which of course is a metaphor for how difficult work becomes right for all of you understand that frustrations in work things not getting done right things not being put in order all of that is a byproduct of of, of, of the Chet of Anamarisha. But it's even more than that, especially when it comes to right, all the Tsaurus, right? The Tsaurus that right, specifically we speak about what happens to Chava after the Chet of Anamarisha. Chava is told the Etzev Tel right? Which of course doesn't just mean getting pregnant and having a child is full of morning sickness and pain, and, which is true. But it's more than that. It's a metaphor for really the tsaris of the word, right? The, right? The, 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 it seems like if, if you know, there, there's this idea that the Madrashim and the Sifrei Kabbalah speak about that there'll be a period of restoration where when people, they won't have to go through a nine-month gestation period. And there won't be all the difficulties. And there won't be the pain. Right? Because if, if it's true that there's a restoration, what Machet, then all those things really change. Which means tsar, difficulty, the the, the, the the child's journey into life with all the pain of of, of of entering into the world and the pain the mother has bringing the child into the world is just a symbol of what that world post the chet is. And that's a world that despite all the simcha that we have in life, 
but that's a world that makes it difficult to concentrate, and that makes it a world difficult to comprehend. It becomes a world that's difficult to remember. That's the world that was eliminated with the Chet Ego. Chet Ego had the promise. If it's again, if you believe that that's what occurred, the promise of 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 of, of, of the messianic age and beyond. So that connection was severed. When the, luch- when the luchos break, it's more than just the fact that the luchos break. It's it's a whole different way of comprehending and dealing with the world. That broke as well. Again, I'm not saying the Rambam subscribed to that, but I, I, there's something we need to think about in terms of what happened. Um, what was the next thing? The butel atomibi bayis Now here, of course, it sounds a little more pedestrian. That they didn't have the... Uh, they didn't have the Tumid. The Tumid was gone. Right? The Tumid was had, had left. The Tumid is no longer there. But I think, you know, it, it's interesting. There is uh, a famous machlekes about what Pusik represents the Kalal Gadol Right. So we all know the machlekes uh, Ben Azai and Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva, of course, we talked about it the very first time we met here. was the Ben Azai says that the Klal Gorobatera is Zeth Sefer told us Oda Bihibara. This is the book about the generation of man when he was created. Zeth Sefer told us Oda. Right? And you can see that's a little bit different than Vatarecha Kamoifa. Because as we said, Vatarecha can sometimes get a little bit dicey. and sometimes veer into areas where, again, am I giving you your space? Zeth Sefer told us Adam is more humanity, that we're all part of creation. It's a little bit different. So there's a sheet in Chazal that says, you know what? The most important Pasuk is V'sakefes HaSheni Tasa Baleker V'sakefes HaSheni Tasa Bein The most important cloud is the consistency of a relationship. Um, bring that Korban Tomid. They brought that Korban Tomid no matter what was going on. There was political fighting. There was they were ousting kings. They were killing uh, the Nevi'im. But the but the carbon and the Beis kept on being brought. That was brought every day, and it meant something. It meant something that despite the fact that we're not exact, you know, we're not perfect, but we've got that carbon tumid that we're bringing every single day. This was the that Shavasibatamas happened. That was the first day that the, that the tumid was not brought, and they stopped bringing it. So again, that's a again a, a sign, a symbolic sense of we don't we don't have that consistent connection. Hufka um, Yerushalayim b'Chorban Sheni, that Yerushalayim, as we know, the walls broke, and again, Yerushalayim, of course, is more than just um, Yerushalayim, especially in the Rambam's view, isn't more is more is just a city, but Yerushalayim represents the Rambam's opinion is in Hilchos Beis Hapira. That your shalayim, shalayim is, 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 it doesn't become eliminated with the Horb. Unlike the Ram's famous opinion is, is that once your shalayim was dedicated by David and, uh, 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 and then Shlomo later, it was a Beis that place remains Kodesh Laolam. This is why the Ram's opinion is the opinion that makes it very difficult to take trips up to Harabais. You want to go up? I don't know if you've been there, and there's there's tours you can take, and you can go up and see. It's a machloek, the Rambam and the Rivet, but your shalayim being uh, broken into again, your shalayim is more than just a city. It represents a kedusha that has that it could be it could be it, it, it could be totally sacked in korbanoi, but there still has kedusha to shalayim. We make an afkamina, for example. The difference would be if you could there's certain halachos about what you can do in your shrine you can't do in another place in terms of eating my sashani and other things like that they have to be eaten there so even after the korban your shalayim is still a place in fact according to the Rambam you could actually break korbanos even if you don't have the besamikdash physically properly, properly there you could actually be makriv in the area of the besamikdash assuming that, the, that there was a movement to do that so again the fact that your shalim is broken into, yes, it means killing in the streets, but it also means that we don't have control over our central location, the basis, the locus, the nexus 
of our connection to God, which hasn't been eliminated, we don't control that. Who's here? And again, uh, and of course, uh, as we said before, v'sorif apustam v'sefer teira v'himitzelim v'heichol. Again, what does that mean? What are we supposed to take from that? Okay, there was a lot of avodah zara um, in the time of Bayis Rishon, especially. What does it mean that the Sefer Torah gets burnt? Right, again, it seems like we've already, the three things we described sound like it can't even get any worse, right? We're talking about the Lufos breaking, and, and yet we're supposed to absorb all of them, according to the Ram. We're supposed to think about and put ourselves connected to those three as well. I don't have a great answer, but I do think there's something about, again, I think Apostomus didn't just take a Sefer Torah and burn it. What I think he did was he outlawed learning. In other words, Sarv, it wasn't just that the Torah was burnt. It was that you cannot study these books. You cannot learn. Again, unfortunately, we're familiar with that history in the Middle Ages and the Nazis as well, communism and other things. But it, when it started, it was a novel thing. Look, I pay my taxes. I can't have this book. <laughs> we can't have these books. When 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 Alexander the Great came into Eretz Yisrael, you know he was looking to actually collect as many books as possible. When they built the city that was dedicated to Alexander, right, at the Alexandrian Library, supposedly had more volumes than any place in the world. That was considered, you know, the great. It's wisdom to be able to have something. But the idea that you're actually not going to be able to have a safer, that you won't be able to study. You won't be able to let the text live within you and study it and be involved. That's something that, can you imagine what it is? <laughs> can you imagine, you know, the, the, the pain that great Tamir Chakonim feel when they can't read the Svarim anymore, right? The Svarim are gone. That isn't just the safer Torah is burned. There was a Zayr against learning. You can't have the book. We're not going to let you have the book anymore. So people couldn't learn. And therefore... Of course, you can always, there might have been some geniuses who had it orally, but it's not the same. That's the reason why I go through, that's the reason why I'm doing this as well. There's a difference between me, you know, pontificating and you seeing the words themselves. And, and, and take that away from people, then they don't internalize the ideas anymore. When you, when you engage in a text, whether it's Kindle or a text that you're reading or something that you're reading on the internet, whatever it is, especially if it's a safer. That allows you to internalize those ideas and allows them to live within you. So that's, that was what happened on Shavasar Batamas. Again, the Rambam, doesn't, the Rambam doesn't tell you what they did wrong for all of that. That's up to us to figure out. But we know that we're missing a lot of these things. We're missing the clarity and the, and the, and the beauty of our relationship with God that, would have, that was there with the Luthos. We don't have the consistency. We don't have that. Um... And we also don't have control over what's so central to us. When I think about, you know, again, I'm not a political person, but all of us hear about, you know, fighting over Yerushalayim, fighting over Eretz Yisrael. We know that this is the place that the Kedusha never leaves, and yet it's not in our control. And I think similarly what we have is the fact that we might have the Sfarim, but we don't, you know, we don't know how to use them anymore. And the last one, I think, is Vehim Selim Beheichal. And I think the key term here is the idea that the Tzelem and the Heichal are together. In other words, it isn't just forget about the Beis HaMikdash. Here's the Tzelem. The Tzelem is together with the Beis HaMikdash. That was what was weird. In other words, it was one thing to say, guys, we got a better option for you. The old Kanan that used to live here, they did Avodah Zarah, let's do that. Here there was this syncretic you know, putting these two together. You can have this and that. Here's the Heikal. Here's the Kruvim. Here's the, the, uh, the Aron. The Mizveach is there. But we've also got this Telemir. It's, it's, we're actually putting these things together. That, the idea of bastardizing, diluting our, what we have, that's something that, again, is, 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 is a terrible thing. Um, you can listen to... Um, one of the sure you can go on our, our website and uh, show it to Rivka. Did you listen to any of them? No. Yeah. They're not bad, right? It was a little uh, wearing because it was music. 
I'm not. It was well done. Okay, good. I got it for the 90s. Yeah, okay, good, good. Anyway, but one of the one of the things I, if you go to the shir that we have about Rav Shach, that was part of what Rav Shach was trying to say was that a lot of what we, a lot of what we even give our lives for are not really authentically part of Judaism. They're interesting principles, and, and then maybe they're nationalistic or holistic or humanistic, um, but they aren't, in a way, they're sort of like a tzelev. And the fact that people give them the same significance as the base on, as, as things that are authentic and inherent to what we have. No one's no one's saying that they're not important, but you put it in the heichal together. It's like, what are you about? Right? And, and, and you need to know. You need to know that there are. Of course, you need to be uh, humanist and you need to care and have compassion. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's on the same level as the things that have kept us alive and that we extol as making us close to God. So I think that's part of what... So I, I think I've created some sort of unity here in the first part of the three weeks, which is Shemos and Now let's go to Tisha B'av, since we're approaching it. The Rambam says, Tisha B'av's chamisha dvarim iruboy. So, nigzeru al Yisrael b'midbar shul yikonsul oretz. Okay? That's number one. So again, that's obviously the chet of who? Of the Maragun, right? The chet of the Maragun, listening to the Chazal call of Mitzi Shemra and Lashem Hara, whether it's on God or on the Jewish, whether it's on Eretz Yisrael, right? Um, but then it's the Xera that we don't get into Eretz Yisrael. We don't have it. Um, and obviously for years, I guess even... It's hard to feel that today, maybe, but I'm going to try to make it make sense a little bit because we're in Eretz Yisrael, and that's the set the most. Are there more Jews living in Eretz Yisrael than the United States now? I don't know. They, they do all these studies. I think I think there are. Right? Is it possible that Eretz Yisrael has the greatest population of Jews in the world? You can. I'm sure if you want. Yeah. Right, yeah. I think. Right. So it's hard to say. Okay. When you think about what are we missing? Well, we don't have Eretz Yisrael. We do. Okay, we have to fight for it, we have to argue for it, the Arabs want to destroy us, but it, it, we, we can go, <laughs> right? It's cheaper to go there than in Memphis, where I live, where, you know, where I, right? You, you, get, you get tickets all the time, right? It's a, hard, it's a long trip. But so this, I think, we have to sort of understand, because on Tisha, we have to think about, hey, things there, we couldn't go into Eretz, it's really a consul or it's. So I think part of what it is, is that, Think about it. Nigzral Yisrael b'midbar shulo yikonsulares. If you think about it, their children went, right? So what's so bad, right? In other words, luchos rishonas are gone. There's only broken pieces of those. But nigzair shulo yikonsulares. How does that still play a role? That's what we're supposed to think about on Tisha How does that? How does that play a role? So again, if you think about it. Um, what would have happened if they gone into Eretz Yisrael? It would have been a different life in Eretz Yisrael. Right? Had they gone in, the door that heard the Torah, got the Torah, true, they chote in the eagle, but had they gone in, it would have been different. Now, maybe Moshe would have joined them. Maybe it would have been the Messianic times. It would have been a different living in Eretz Yisrael than what occurred. They didn't believe in themselves, which is one of their Averos, right? There's a little bit more to it than that. But they felt God hated them, right? They felt God hated them. God just took us out in order to kill us. That's what they were crying about, right? And the Maragun came back, and they were Rishoy. Right? The Maragun were Rishoy, the Pesach says. And B'nai Yisrael cried. And their crying, of course, was that God hates us. God doesn't want us to go in. Um, and that God is going to bring us in there and have us die. And if you think about it, did they, you know, what was, what was that about? Did they not... And it, they, had, they had all seen a year of, of incredible miracles, right? They'd, most of them had seen miracles that nobody had seen ever, right? Even one Makkah was already something more than no, anybody else had seen. And it was predicted by the end of forget What about Yamsuf? And what about the fact that they were seeing Mun coming from Shabbat every single day? So what did they think? Okay, the report's terrible. But they actually, right? sure you've thought about these questions, right? So you have an answer? What do you think? I mean, how can they think that God should sort of, like, what do you think? 
In other words, people, you can't expect people, even people sometimes don't even believe what, what's been in their own past. Even something that happened to them yesterday, they're not going to believe it's happening tomorrow. That's not a bad answer. Maybe that we we always need to keep in the head sometimes to remember because we, we're scared of stuff and yet we have so much great things around us. It's not a bad answer. I'll tell you what the Nitziv says, and according to Nitziv a lot today, Nitziv says that they knew that God was going to made a promise and that a Yui would bring the B'nai Yisrael in and not them, their children. In other words, when they said Tapenu Yu that their children are going to be captured, what they thought was that they would be, you know, that God wants our DNA. We have the we have the code of Abra Mitzvah but we've ruined it. Because we've been doing Abba Zorah, we didn't have Torah, we haven't really been keeping mitzvahs. We don't even know what that is anymore. We've been connected to the to Mitzrayim. But we carry within us, our kids do. Right? Yeah, God did those miracles to us, but that was just to get us out. But really what the Ramana Shalom wants is to bring us in. He's going to wipe us all out because we're really unworthy. And our children are going to be there. We're not going to see our children. Our children will see it. Which is really, which is really what God said to them in Prashat Shalach. He says, you're worried about your kids? Your kids are going to go in. You're not. But the Tzib says what they felt was that that they would go in. God would somehow protect their children. They would be t- taken and raised somehow. And then they would be the generation but who would live in the land. But the people who had experienced Mitzrayim, the immigrants, the ones who had not lived properly before, they wouldn't they didn't deserve it. That's the way he explains it. Right. So part of it was so, so they didn't believe in what was happening. Remember, a lot of it was was artificial. A lot of it was hey, we talk about being lifted up from the 49th level of Tuma. They felt yes, this has been a ride we're on, but we don't really deserve it. And again. That's part of the reason why it's almost like, you know, like like Chazal compared Moshe Rabbeinu compared them to a child, to a parent, right? The parent's doing everything, and the child's always rebelling. Why? Because the child feels that that's the way they assert themselves, right? They assert themselves by rebelling because they feel overwhelmed. That's who the Bnei Yisrael were. They felt overwhelmed. They felt insignificant. Now, had they been able to go into Eretz Yisrael? That would have been much, right? They had it. They had it reversed. What the Rabbonu Shalom wanted, in fact, was interesting. The Rabbonu Shalom actually wanted them with their scarred history. <laughs> he actually wanted them, the ones who had, he wanted the people who had actually turned it around, who went from one extreme to the other. Yeah, with a little help, with a lot of help. But he wanted them, the ones that actually carried that memory and carried what it was like the new generation really didn't appreciate as much as that they took over to stroll, but they, they, it wouldn't be the same. The generation that went from Tuma to Tara, the generation that went from the depths, that was the generation that could have created something that was lasting forever. So again, now let's think about what we think about on Tishabot. That that, right, they, right, we don't believe that God really loves us, right? We don't believe God really cares for us. We can't forgive ourselves, right? And therefore, we don't believe God forgives us. We, right? That's part of the Zayrish when you come to Lawrence. Let me explain this a little bit better. Uh, Yosef, uh, 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 the first Rav Yosha Ber uh the base Halid, uh, he says that if you take a look at well, if you take a look at these two poles of Shavasa Batamas and Tishabov. Now, we know, of course, that the Chorban Beis Amikdash, Brishon Abishnia, we'll get to Beitar in a second. Um, we'll talk about Beitar in a minute. But Rav Salvechik the first, Rav Yashavir Salvechik the first, the Beis Ali, the great grandfather of the one from Boston, 
his son was from Chaim, salvation. Chaim's son had a number of sons, but one of his sons was Rav Moshe, and Rav Moshe's salvation son was Rav Yosheber from Boston. And he was named, of course, Yosef Dov after his great-grandfather. That great-grandfather was the Rav in Brisk, and that's where you get this Brisk direction. He was the Rav in Brisk. So, the Mason lady says the following. He says that if you think about it, um, these are these Averos that we just talked about, the, the Cheta Ego and the Cheta the Maratha. The Cheta Ego, of course, you know, we talked about what was lost. But we talk about the Aveira itself, who's clearly, according to most approaches, it was about substituting something for Moshe Rabbeinu, as the Pesuk can say, and using some sort of vehicle for your service of God, right? Some of the Rambam says at the beginning of Milchus Avodah that that it's not that they believe God didn't exist, but they believe that God gave over power to other forces. And those forces are worth serving because you can relate to that. You can relate to the astrological signs of the planets because you see them. You see them change every night. And you can believe that they influence what's happening. Or you can believe that the sun, the power of the sun, or the power that's, you know, not the mighty Passaic River, but imagine the mighty Nile of what it's able to do. The power of, of, of water in the world. All those things don't necessarily deny God, but they allow you uh, an entrance way into God. So that is what Avodah is about. It's about power, a little bit of intellectual cowardice, but it's also taking a shortcut. It's like, yeah, I get one. Don't ask me to sort of like throw everything away and let it all be this abstract, ineffable, unbelievable. I need something that I can see, something that I can connect to, also something that I can get into. And I can like, you know, I can print up these, you know, if I'm into the sun, so I can, you know, do, you know everyone's going to wear sun shirts and maybe part of our thing is going to be sunglasses and part of it will be whatever, you know, and we, 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 we convocate and we make our big day the, the, the summer solstice, right? And yeah, it makes sense, right? We don't say God doesn't exist, but look at the sun and the photosynthesis and we study about that and all of that is a bodhisattva. It The Beisalevi says that that is the second of the Aserah Sanjibas. That's lo And the Beisalevi goes even further. He says, based on the Zohar, that's really the source of every losase that we have. For example, most people who, you know, I remember when I was growing up in Memphis. So we had people who kept kosher at home, but not outside. Many of you probably never heard about that. But I, that's what, when I grew up, there were many people that came to shul and they had this attitude that I keep kosher at home. But when I go out, I don't keep kosher. But the house is kosher. And it's, and then some people just had it. They, they have glass to wear when they're ordering it. Uh, right. In other words, they'll, they'll not kosher Chinese, but they'll eat it on, on their plastic. On the plastic. <laughs> they don't want to make their tray, the plates tray. Exactly. So we had many people like that. Now, they looked in the mirror every day. They, they, they sent their money to the shul for the shul dinner because it was a shortcut. It, it's tough to live in the city. You can't go out to eat, right? The ambi, right? So, uh, in a way, it's sort of, yeah, it's, it's sort of like the sun god, in a way. Because this is a shortcut, I, I guess I can't. I can't take the big thing. Ne- never being able to go out to eat, I can never go to a restaurant. I can never sit with my family and enjoy it again. And that was that was the situation. There was one kosher restaurant that closed, and then the other one opened. So you can imagine, people found it difficult. Most people who violate lotases do it for that reason. Even if it's a lotus, say, like stealing, right? You know, you know, right? They rationalize, hey, I'm a decent person, okay, but you know what? <laughs> Look, no one's around, I'm taking it. I need it. The family needs it. I'm so poor, I don't get enough money. Whatever the lotus is, it can be connected to that, I said, that lotus, and the basic is connected to that chet of Shavasimatamus, that first chet of, I can take that shortcut. The second chet, the chet of the Maraglim, although we talked about not believing in yourself, 
means you don't really, in a way, trust God. You don't really believe that God loves you and God created you and that God has this plan for you. This is Anok Hashem Elokechem. So what's interesting is, is that the Shabbat is, yes, it's about losing connection, but it has to do with those type of shortcut connections that we'd like to take. Whereas Tisha B'Av is really about the way it's about basically not really believing God is there. That's true, God hates us, they couldn't really believe God wasn't there, but they didn't have the simcha of Anoch Hashem Lokecha. Anoch Hashem Lokecha is an incredible mitzvah. What does it really mean? God's not telling us anything. He's saying that your whole life needs to be permeated by my existence. I created you, and I breathe life into all of you, and I love you, and your life can be connected to me. And therefore, go ahead and do mitzvah saseis with simcha. That's what mitzvah saseis are about. Putting on tefillin with happiness, sitting in a sukkah happiness. I'm using things that women don't do, but there's other mitzvahs, right? Every mitzvah that, that can be done, the Zohar says, the Beis Alevi explains, is connected to Anochi Hashem Elokecha. That's why there's a principle in Shas, Essei Dochalosat, say, you might have heard that, that if, if, there's a, if there's a conflict between the Assei and the Losasei, then the assay works. For this example, classic example, if I have tzitzis that are made of wool, and I want to put linen strings on it, because that's what it says, so I can put li- I can put linen strings onto wool tzitzis and tie them. What about the fact that an assay, don't wear shotness? The assay of tzitzis is greater. As the Ramban says, Ava is greater than Yira. Love, understanding how everything is God's existence, Anochi, is number one. And that trumps, in this case, the Lotaseh. So really, the way the Beis HaLevi explains it, the, the Chet of, 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 of Tishabov is really a Chet, what she calls a Chet, he calls it Minus or Apikorsis, or just, I, I can't believe. He goes even further. Even though it's true, Tisha B'Av of the first Beis HaMikdosh, as we said, was about the Korban, was about Avodah Zorah, but they came back from that. The second one is more, we've called it Sinas Chinam. He says the Sinas Chinam is really an outgrowth of, of a lack of belief. And we know, I talked about the various uh, sectarian set things to develop. That sort of comes from saying, look, it's got to make sense to me. And yeah, I haven't denied God completely, but I think this is the way it is. And this is what makes logical sense to me. When you're in that ballpark, if this is what makes logical sense to you, then that is really basically a, a, a rejection of, 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 of Amunah. That's the rejection of the spies, that's of, of the people cried by the spies. This is what the Mesa lady says. So he says, really, those two... He says, that's why we're still trying to get out of that Golis. <laughs> that one is still here. The second Mesa Mikdosh, yeah, there's Sinus Kinnam, of course. But he says, and, and, and again, Sinus Kinnam is all wrapped into the fact that that we don't really believe. That Rav Kuk said it beautifully. He said, Chazal... We know that they, that they made a special prayer at the beginning of Bayashen, special tefillah, to rid the world of the Eight Sahara of Avodazar. Right? And it worked. Maybe there's still Avodazar in the world, it's here, and some other ways, there's people. But what Rav Kook says we lost was the spirituality that was there. Remember, Avodazar was, I, I want a shortcut, but I believe there's this power there. I believe there's this power of God, but you know what? I don't. I'm just going to worship the sun towards God. What happens in Bayesheni, when their Mavatil of the Yitzhahara of Avodah of Kuk says, it really started this sense of disbelief. 
part of the reason why the philosophical movements became so popular is because, hey, that makes sense, right? You use your own mind to decide what's true and what's not true, uh, right? And, and, and therefore, and, and the idea of God really being here, of actually feeling God, was gone. Like the Gemara says, the Shechina was, the, the sense of Shechina was not there. So, Bayashani is ripe for a lack of belief, a real lack of questioning your own belief in yourself as a soul that's created by God and God's existence. And therefore, the Beis HaLevi says, when it comes to, let's say, every Lota say, the man's been punished, he realizes it. The Shochet was selling trade for meat, they punished him, he could do tshuva. Okay, never going to do it again. Machal Shabbos, okay. This is what happens when you do that. Getting punished like we have been for 2,000 years, the Beis Levi says, actually feeds the idea that there's no God, right? There's people that will tell you, like I said, that, that, that where is God? Come on. Punishment? So bias Rishon, they accepted their punishment over the 70 years. And they came back. It wasn't the same, but they learned their lesson. If they weren't their lesson so much, they came and they said, get rid of Avodah which they did. But they didn't realize what they were bargaining with. But by getting rid of Avodah what happened was, is that they end up buying into Kfira, lack of belief in anything. Because if there's no sun god, there's no god. There's what else? I don't really believe there's a power out there that can really do anything. This doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, okay, I want to live religiously, but I don't really believe that there's a power there. Um, and as you can see, um, the last thing the Rambam mentions is Vinilka de Irgadoa Beit Torah Yishma. We call it Beitar. But the Rambam says the name was Beit Torah. That's the real name of it. So you had all these, uh, um, you had an amazing city. The Rambam says you had twenty thousands and ten thousands. It was an incredible city. And they had a, tr- a king, and almost the whole Jewish people, Rabbi Kiva and everyone, was backing this man that he was the Mashiach. V'nafal b'yad goyim, um, now, we know that uh, um, the man who they thought was the Mashiach, we know what his name was, right? Ben Kozivo of Arkochva, that was the person they thought was the Mashiach. His, the fall of Vedar, now he had actually, as we know from archaeological records, he had actually retaken Yerushalayim. But then he was driven out of Yerushalayim. But there was a year that there was a, the Malchus came back to Yerushalayim. We have coins that, that are printed from the Bar Kokhba period that have inscribed on them year one to the freedom of Yerushalayim. The, when Bar Kokhba was killed, along with, as you can see, there was a butchering. The Romans butchered thousands and thousands uh, of, of Jews. Um, and of course, you think about it, you know, what was, you know, we think about Betar, and there's not much in the Kinnis about Betar, but we think about, well, what did that mean? You know, I would have to say that this was, you know, in a way, you know, like, like, like this terrible mirage, this symbol of what could have been. Um, even the Chachmei Yisrael, but there was, there was, there was. If you read the history, there was a sense that they said, "God, the Medrash says, leave us alone. We've got this. We're going to take care of this." And I think that that was part of it. It was a Malchus that had Chachamim behind it, but the Chachamim, the spirit of the Chachamim, was not the spirit of its leadership. They kept the Chachamim and gave them a place. But as we know, when one of them was, as you know from the Gemara, and, 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 and I believe, when the Gemara talks about what happened in Betar, 
the Gemara and Gitan that many people were not Tishim of talks about when one of the Chachamim was being whispered to him and they thought that he was he was davening and he didn't answer that he had been that he was, he was they thought he was a spy it was Rabbi Lazar that they actually killed him so you see that that, that indicated the Malchus was not what it could have been again to me that's sort of like a symbol of of, of, of an illusory yes you have a, a charismatic king you have tremendous victories and yet again I don't want to say anything but the parallels are are unfortunate and you can you can imagine what I'm what I mean you have a, a strong country winning and yet when they their sense of what who should be where is somehow incorrect. Right. That's like the Thurban itself. The last thing that the Rambam mentions, as the Mishnah mentions, is after the Thurban Beitar, the the the, um, the Romans mopped up. Right? You basically came and he um, cloud up the whole place. Basically what he was saying was, this ain't going to happen anymore. We're going to put it down. We, we've had these years of rebellion. It's not going to be. In fact, we're going to not even let you keep it as a, as a museum piece. We're going to turn the whole Heichel area into uh, a place that you're just going to plow and, and animals running around there. That was the idea. And part of the idea was emphasize that there is there's no chance in the world that there's going to be a restoration. It's finished. Now we all know that um, that uh, Rabbi Akiva the Gemara and the Makkas, the Gemara mentions of course that Rabbi Akiva and the Chachonim happened to go and visit that place that they saw that what had what had they saw a fox gone out to the Mokma Kodesh HaKadoshim. And Rabbi Kiva said that when he, this Nebuah was the Sayyim, he said that of course there was Nebuah of Nebuah of Achia. Achia, right? The Nebuah of Oydenuvan Beseva, there was going to be Yerushalayim that had to be restored. He said now that this has been fulfilled, I know the other is going to be fulfilled. So this last thing, that it's a field, that there is no basically right there, now it's not true anymore, but that there, the place of Tzioed has been drawn over. Yes. Here is where we get a little bit of the Nahama. As you think about it, if you think about that list that we were talking about, the list of terrible things, the list of no belief that God's not with us, I guess you look at that desolation and you can think that. But we know that we are here. One of the beliefs of, of, of the Amuna starts with, look, there is no base of Mikdosh, there is no system, but Klal Yisrael exists. If Klal Yisrael exists, the chance of Geula is there. Which is really what, which is really what Rabbi Kiva was saying. On the ninth day of Av, Titus came into the Heichal and destroyed people. But it was only at the very end of the day that the Heichal started to burn. The Salvation explains that, Beisalevi's great-grandson, that that, during the whole day of Tisha B'Av, there was things were in balance. Was there going to be a destruction of the whole Jewish people or not? These were people who had stopped really believing in God. Yeah, they went through the motions, but they didn't really have an Anuk Hashem Ali within them. There was a chance that the B'nai Yisrael would have been completely destroyed. In fact, that's why the burning when the, when the burning of the Beis HaMikdash happens, you look in some of the kinnus, it says, the third kinnus of the Kalir, you'll take a look, he says that this was actually a simcha. The simcha was, of course, 
the weir, the weir, we survive. That's what Rabbi Kiva was saying. Yes, the field, it's gone. The Romans have given us no hope, but we're alive. They killed Rabbi Kiva too, but his Talmudim still lived. Kalisro was not destroyed. That's part of the, just to mention the Arizal in the last two minutes here. The Arizal made us understand that a world around us that looks destroyed isn't. Part of what the Arizal changed in Jewish thinking was that we can bring Mashiach even in a state of war. In fact, that energy is here. Most people would say, Mashiach signs? To bring, to bring Mashiach? With what? We have to wait for his galus to happen. The world's got to be made over. The Arizal actually went back with Kabbalistic principles to show that we are fixing the world. The Arizal was asked, what made him different than the Mukubolim of previous generations? He said they emphasized the beginning of creation, which was called the Oilam the original creation of the world, and the spheros, which are important. But he said, what I have been, what's been revealed to me is the world of Tikkun, the world of restoration, that this world can be restored, and not just restored in the humanistic sense. We can restore it even though all around us things look ugly and terrible, there's a field and foxes running everywhere. It can be Mashiach, not just going to happen any minute. We are actually in the process of bringing Mashiach to this world. Chabad says it. We want Mashiach now. Chabad would never, could never have even made those statements and not been for the Chochmas of the Ari. The Ari's Kabbalah is really what puts front and center the idea of, yes, Corbin of, of, and we deserve it. But we're alive, and our Nishabas, even with the Averis that we do, all the low Yiloka Lachanacherims that we have, every, well, you take every of the 365 Averis that Kaiso has been over many, many times, and many of us are over them consistently. But what's alive within us, even which was what happens at the end of Tishabah, when God decides to destroy the Beis Amikdash, and not us, is God's belief in us. Which should make us want to be mascara to Again, based on, it could have been a mass killing that could have killed out everyone, but it didn't happen. One will end with this Rambam. The Rambam says that the very end of Hilchah's kindness The Rambam says that oh. all these somos that we've been talking about, especially Shemos and they're going to they're be gone. They're actually going to be days of great happiness. Rav Salvechik in, in one of his uh, essays quotes the Sifre Kabbalah saying not only are they going to be holidays, they're going to be the biggest holidays. That according to the Sifre Sod, Tisha B'av is actually going to be the biggest yantif in the world. It's going to be bigger than Yom Kippur. <laughs> if you can believe that. Yeah, that's what it is. Right? Now, and he quotes this post. Now, what's interesting is, is that Zechariah said this at the beginning of Bayez Shaving. And yet, the Rambam says this doesn't happen until Yemaisa Mashiach. Yemaisa Mashiach is when these become Yom Tov. Why? So Salvechik says, because it says, look at the end of the Pasuk. Va'emes va'asholom ehovu. Love, emes, and peace. That sounds like peace, right? Just love and truth, peace. Salvation says that these two things usually can't coexist. The person's MS, he doesn't give in. A person's about MS, 
MS, right? MS person doesn't give it. And peace is all about compromise, right? <laughs> peace is all about say, look, yeah, I disagree with you, but yeah, we're gonna, I'll, I'll give it a little, you'll give it a little. That's not MS. MS is one thing. In our world, those two are always in conflict with each other. One of the great paradoxes of, of, of the Muslim Mashiach in this world is that Emes and Shalom can be both loved together without sacrificing anything. It's a paradox in a way, because men, come on, you know, I stick to what I believe in. Right? And Shalom is about, I don't really care so much. Emes and Shalom, although Salvatrix from Salvatrix says, is an indicator of something that's in the Emos Mashiach. That's something in the world that, that we're, 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 we're reaching for. But it's really a world that, we, that the Arizal taught us can actually be in. And it's actually on its way. The Rambam, who was a rationalist, didn't really have an explanation of how that's going to happen. Maybe it happens through natural means. One, one thing the Arizal lets out of the bag is that it, it's happening. So I think my point is is that it's Dafka a Kabbalistic approach that they read can make us really believe in this and take our tissue well differently. Yes, you know, we can think about how we still really don't, but if, if we just make ourselves familiar with some of the principles of what does it mean to do mitzvahs, the way the Arizal directed us, what those what effect that has on the world, then we can actually see how God is actually coming closer and changing and fixing and how we're fixing and partners with them together. So again, I think in, in that way, I I think we it, it definitely. I asked. I started today by saying, how do we see the korban? I think what we see the korban is the korban is the korban of the external, which keeps us alive, and that koach of our neshama allows us to exist and to rebuild. It isn't just holding hands and singing kumbaya. It's it's by fealty to mitzvahs and, and, and commitment. But it's it's, it's strengthening our sense of anech hashem which is ultimately the tikkun of, of of the tshuva and tishvah has to be. So I think using the Arizal's approach, I think we can you know we, we can turn tishvah and, and more than just you know, watching videos about. Moshadar and the Holocaust and other things like that, which I think is important, but actually push it really toward the next stage. So that's the idea that Hashem it should be uh for you parents. I'm sorry for you today. They're not here physically with you, but I am sure that they are Hashem. I know that they're living with you and Hashem should If you believe the Zayar, the Zayar says that it's with this Khachma that the Gula and all those events occur. So, it's Okay. Thanks for your... All right. Have a, have a meaningful fast, as they say. All right. I think I will. Okay. Thank you very much. Oh. So, it's Okay. Thanks for your... All right. Have a, have a meaningful fast, as they say. All right. Thank you.